0: The Kathleen Show, shaking things up and grabbing life by the ovaries. Here's your host, Kathleen Slattery Moscow. Hello, and welcome to The Kathleen Show. Wow, I am flying high after that interview in the first hour with Marianne Williamson. She knocked it out of the park and I'm still trying to catch my breath. This is the program about going for it in life and living big and bold and healthy. It's where we're not afraid to ask the tough questions about what we're doing and why we're doing it. It's about full engagement and bringing it. (laughs) Our website is thekathleenshow.com, and there is a ton of interaction on Facebook, too. And if you're on Facebook, would you click the Suggest to Friends link on our Facebook page and invite all your friends to join us? That would be a huge way that you could help us spread the word about the show. All right, here we go. How self-conscious are you about making mistakes? Are you afraid of looking stupid to other people? Are you afraid of failure because it might expose your limitations, because you might be thought of as a fool? If so, where is that getting you? Are you having more fun, trying more things, stretching yourself? Is it unleashing your full potential? Maybe it's getting you safety and comfort. Maybe you look outwardly successful. Maybe you are moderately successful, which can feel really good. But the safety and the comfort and the moderate success doesn't quite snuff out that nagging feeling, that little poke inside of us, that living like this isn't the best we can be. We watch others around us progressing, I mean really progressing, in their lives, and their careers, and we think, well, that would be nice, but I'm just not like that. I'm not that kind of person. It's just not in the cards for me. And besides, I tried to learn the piano that one time or start a business that one time or write a book that one time, and it didn't work out, so that's that. I, Kathleen Slattery, Moscow say all this as someone who spent the first 20 to 30 years of my life feeling self-conscious, of being afraid to look stupid, of being afraid to take a risk, of not wanting to fail because the pain and the blow to my ego would be too damn much. And now, I just don't give a rip. And boy, is that fun. My next guest has done fascinating research on motivation and success. There are two mindsets that either hold us back, or take us to higher ground. There is the fixed mindset and the growth mindset. Which one do you have? Which one are you instilling in your kids? And yes, there is a way out of that fixed mindset hell. This is The Kathleen Show, and I'll be right back. The seasons are all gone. Oh, yeah, left
1: me with the need to find one to succeed you. Don't start with Older, if you're feeling this
0: is The Kathleen the Show. Our website is thekathleenshow.com and we're also on Facebook. This next topic and guest just might rile you up a bit. What is the difference between those who consistently succeed and those who don't? Is it talent? Is it effort? What if it came down to something even more basic than that? My guest is Dr. Carol Dweck, a professor at Stanford University, a social psychologist, and one of the world's leading researchers in the field of motivation. Dr. Dweck has held professorships at Columbia and Harvard Universities. She has lectured all over the world and has been featured by many of the top media outlets in the country. Her fascinating book is called Mindset. Dr. Dweck, thanks for joining me.
1: It's a pleasure, Kathleen.
0: What is the main difference that you have found between someone who accomplishes more than more of what they
1: want in life and someone who doesn't? One thing I've found is that they have different mindsets. Some people think that their basic qualities, their intelligence, their talent, they, they see them as just fixed traits. You have a certain amount of and that's that. And this worrying about how much you have often holds people back because they're more concerned with looking smart than accomplishing, taking risks and accomplishing. But other people have what I call a growth mindset. They believe even their most basic abilities can be developed through learning and effort and instruction and these are the people who go for it. They take on challenges. If they have a failure, they don't think it says something deep about their basic self. So they're more risk-taking, more resilient, and end up accomplishing more.
0: And can you talk about the dialogue that goes on in the head of someone with a fixed mindset? Because I think yes. that that can help us understand where we might fall.
1: <laughs> yes, in a fixed mindset If you're contemplating something difficult, you think, am I smart enough? Do I have the ability? If I don't do it, will I look incompetent? Will I embarrass myself? Better not to do it and think that I could have. And a lot of people do this even about their fondest dreams. They don't want to take the chance of losing that dream by trying. In fact, Homer Simpson has this motto, trying is the first step toward failure. (laughs) Leave it to Homer to have it all figured out. That show is brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) And then if they do jump in in a fixed mindset and it doesn't come naturally, they, oh, I'm not good at this, I better get out, I better cut my losses. Because the belief in a fixed mindset is, if you have that talent, everything should just flow naturally. Everything should come naturally.
0: And what about the growth mindset? What goes on in their brains? What dialogue? Mm -hmm. what, what What does the language
1: sound like? In a growth mindset, you say to yourself, hmm, a challenge, it's a chance to grow new skills, learn new things. Even if you see someone who's better than you at something, You don't think, oh, that's threatening. You think, maybe they can mentor me. Maybe they can tutor me. When you have a setback, it can be disappointing, but you say, all right, what do I do next? What have I learned from this? What's my next best step?
0: Why does this matter? I mean, this comes down to a basic difference between the way that people think on a day-to-day basis about the things that are before them and the things that they want to accomplish. Why does it ultimately matter so much? How does it play out in terms of accomplishment, lifelong accomplishment and success?
1: Well, we have found in our research that when people are confronting a challenge, these two different dialogues can make a big difference For example, confronting a challenging transition in school or a challenging new thing at work um, or challenges in a relationship. In a fixed mindset, sometimes you feel it's better not to try and then fail. So holding back your effort is really a recipe for disaster. Or playing it safe when you really have to innovate that can be a recipe for failure, too.
0: These are things that it's a lot of times not just one-and-done types of situations. It's the stuff that's it's kind of cumulative over the years. You don't try at this, then you don't try at that, yes. then you're afraid to go over here, and you're afraid to do that. Mm-hmm. And, and I think what I found interesting is that outwardly, sometimes these people can, with a fixed mindset can appear moderately successful, Yeah. but but what is really happening is that they are not unleashing. They're so afraid to unleash their full potential. So you get this moderately okay, okay, successful person who could have really been a freaking genius if, yes. if they would have just let themselves rip a little yes. bit. Yes.
1: I really love the way you say that. You're not unleashing your full power. In a growth mindset, effort and commitment and kind of going flat out is what allows you to reach your full potential. But in a fixed mindset, that is such a threat because the fear is, what if you go full out and there's nothing there? (laughs) Which is almost never the case. But yes, you, you can see successful people, but imagine what they would be if they really went flat out and used their full capabilities.
0: In the book you write, many creative geniuses were not born that way. Can you give us some
1: examples? Yes. And this is, this is coming from not just my own work, but the work of many other psychologists showing that. Oh, well, I'll give you the examples first. Thomas Edison The definitive biography says he was just an ordinary Midwestern kid, but he was fascinated by technical, mechanical things. And he just, his passion led to his genius. Oh, and oh, he wasn't
0: and he wasn't. Let's stay with him for a second, because just yeah. a great example of someone who obviously had to encounter numerous failures yes. over and over and over again, failed experiments, because that's the nature of that kind of work is that actually the failures teach you. And yes. so instead of looking at the failure as, oh, I shouldn't be in this line of work, nothing I ever do succeeds. Yeah, it's that mindset of just, nope, now I learned that. Now I'm going to move on to the next thing. And, and he
1: really exemplified that. And the funny thing is, actually, when I um, was writing my book, Mindset, I took a poll. I asked people to imagine Thomas Edison and what do you see? And to a person, they said they saw a lone genius in his lab, kind of the light bulb popping into his head as an idea. But in fact, he had a lab of over 30 um, people, people, glassblowers, other scientists, uh, trying over and over many, many different things that would eventuate in a light bulb.
0: Or are some of the other people that kind of come to mind that would surprise us?
1: Oh, even Michael Jordan, one of the all-time greatest athletes, was not a brilliant basketball player originally. Many people know the story about how he didn't make the. He was cut from the his high school basketball team. He wasn't uh, recruited by his first choice college, and he wasn't the first draft pick. He worked harder than anyone else. He made himself into Michael Jordan, and even when he was at the top, he didn't coast. He worked constantly to perfect his game. Then, when he got older. And his reflexes weren't quite what they were. He made up for it in strategy.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, we can all think what we will and say what we will about Tiger Woods, but on, at least on the golf course, it's sort of the same, yes. same sort of thing where yes. um, he just continues to push himself no matter how well he's doing because yes. that is just the mindset. That is just the way that certain people think. I found this fascinating. Describe the mentality of a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset in regard to effort. And you touched on this before, uh-huh. but uh, this whole idea that plagues people with a fixed mindset is, gosh, if I have to try, then I must not be any good at it. So you try a new business and it doesn't first take off, and so mm-hmm. you sort of give up on it. Or you you think you're bad at math, so you might try a few equations and then it just proves, you know, you try them and yes. you, you stink. And So can you talk about that a little bit more? Cause I, th- I, I
1: think that may be the most important difference between the mindsets. Um, in a fixed mindset, there is this myth of the natural. And we have that in our culture. People looked at Michael Jordan and thought, oh, he's just a born athlete. And they didn't understand the effort that went into growing his skills. So in a fixed mindset, the belief is, if you have high ability, you shouldn't need effort. And if you need a lot of effort, that's evidence that you don't have high ability. You hear a lot of people say, I tried that once and I was no good at it. Right. And the idea is, if you're good at it, there shouldn't be a learning period or a long period of effort. But anything difficult in life takes long periods of effort. And I think that this belief is the reason so many people don't fulfill their potential. And I think it's a reason that many really, really promising students stop working in school because these are the ones who have coasted along, not working hard, being told how brilliant they are, And they see the other kids working and struggling and they think, ha, I'm not like that. I'm really smart. But then at some point, the work gets difficult and they would have to roll up their sleeves and dig in and they're threatened by that. It's
0: really interesting that it's not even necessarily a laziness as much of it is that they feel that it, it's an embarrassment if I have to. It's, it's their self-conscious. There, It's yes. almost an embarrassment if I have to try. It's just evidence that I suck
1: at this. That's right. Hard work equals dumb. And so many of these very promising students really pull back. Their parents and teachers, you know, kind of tear out their hair and say to them, Oh, you're so smart. All you have to do is work. What they're afraid. that's why they're afraid of working. They'd rather have this label smart, and not disprove it by needing to exert effort.
0: It's interesting because both my sound engineers, Robert and Sarah, are musicians. I'm watching them through the window as we're talking, and and they're both musicians. And so I I wonder, too, how this plays out even in that realm with what separates the men from the boys and the girls from the women in terms of success as a musician, because that is just constant hard work and challenging yourself. And uh, I can see how easy it would be to just at some point say, well... It's obvious I'm not good enough because I'm not having my
1: breakthrough. So I get a lot of letters now from adults who were once child prodigies, whether it's in music or math, and it was a curse for them because things did come easily to them early on. And from that, they took the lesson that they didn't have to work hard. And people just passed them by, and they dropped out.
0: Interesting.
1: Recently, I talked to the top athletes in another country, and they told me that not one of them had been number one as a teenager. The number ones thought they could coast and continue to be better than everyone else. But these people who were then... Number three or number eight, they knew they had to work hard.
0: You know, as we kind of shift away from effort, I I kind of want to talk about how someone with a fixed mindset views challenges and failures. Because this was another part that just, I, you said it at the beginning of the book, and then it's so, you were so right that as you read the book, you'll start being like, oh my gosh, that's that person <laughs> I know, or this is me, or that's what's wrong with my spouse, or that's why, <laughs> you know, but you do sort of do that throughout the book. And I, I'd i like you to talk a little bit about how they view failure versus someone with a growth mindset.
1: In a fixed mindset, a failure is really an indictment of your ability. It's like a neon sign saying, forget it. You're no good at this. And the more you stay in this, the more it will become apparent to everybody.
0: They're very self-conscious, aren't they?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. And defensive. Yeah. Yeah. So in our studies, after a failure, people in a fixed mindset will hide their failures, lie about their failures, look for people who did even worse than they did so they can feel better about their failures, anything except confronting them and addressing them.
0: They do all that. And then like you had discussed in the book, but the worst thing they do is then try to avoid failures by not taking the risk at all. And that's what holds them back.
1: Yes, because in order to ensure that you never fail at something, you really have to limit your horizons. You have to shrink your world.
0: How does a, someone with a growth mindset view failure, falling on their face, doors slamming, all that sort of thing?
1: Well, I can't say that in any mindset that it's enjoyable, but let me tell you, um, when I first did my very early studies in this area, I was giving uh, children, 10-year-olds in this case, problems that were too hard for them. I gave them problems that they could do, and then suddenly I'd give them problems that were too advanced for them. And some of the kids really were upset by that or defensive. But one little boy pulled his chair up, rubbed his hands together, smacked his lips and said, I love a challenge. (laughs) And another one, same situation, looked up at us and said, you know, I was hoping this would be informative.
0: (laughs) Oh, I'm talking with Dr. Carol Dweck, who is one of the leading researchers in the area of motivation. Her book is called Mindset. This is The Kathleen Show, and we'll be right back. It's about living the good life with great health. It's The Kathleen Show. I'm Kathleen Slattery, Moscow. Our website is thekathleenshow.com, where you can find and share this episode right now. Why do some kids and some athletes and some creative people and some business people far outshine the crowd? What is it that gets them to try harder, work harder, embrace obstacles, and welcome challenge and competition and feedback on how to get better? I'm continuing my conversation with Dr. Carol Dweck, one of the world's leading researchers on motivation. Her research is focused on why people succeed and how to foster success. She is the author of the book, Mindset. Dr. Dweck, right before the uh, break, we were talking about this issue of failure and how the two different groups deal with it. And it's interesting because the people I know, there's there's one in particular that fully, I'm sure, is a fixed, completely a fixed mindset <laughs> person. Um, I just, I want to say these examples just so people can have an idea. She is someone who, I'm sure she won't recognize herself in this, but She is someone who could never stand to lose. And if she lost, whether it was a game or an academic event or whatever the case is, was just crushed, took it so personally, Just it it really destroyed her each and every time. And I I never really understood what was going on uh, with that person until I read your book. It was so hard for her. She always had to be in that number one position. Mm -hmm. But again, it always felt a little bit false. It always felt like, to the detriment of her actually pushing herself to be yes. who she could be. And so yes. I, it just really resonated when, as we look around the world and your your circles, and everybody who's listening, it really opened my mind to how we kind of get ourselves in these pickles.
1: Exactly. And, you know, I was sort of like your friend when I was younger. In school, I wouldn't go to the big spelling bee. In junior high, my teacher wanted to send me to the citywide French contest, and I wouldn't go. Because I always thought, well, I'm, I'm at the top of the heap here. Why should I risk losing? Why should I risk my title? And what would, than... what
0: would people think if I don't win and here yeah. I'm the smartest kid? And... Yeah.
1: So you're always thinking about what you have to lose. I remember also finding out that a professor thought really highly of me and I thought, oh, I better not talk to him anymore. Because <laughs> <laughs> I could only lose that esteem. I thought I could only risk it. I already had it. And look, I robbed myself of a fantastic mentoring opportunity from a professor I really admired.
0: Well, and I think it's when when we each of us looks at ourselves We may certainly have tendencies much more in one direction than the other, but there's a little bit of both of these in each of us, I think, because... For instance, there are times I feel like, OK, I am a growth minded sort of person. On the other hand, I have had this mentality that I suck at math,
1: you know, <laughs>
0: like and, and I, I feel like when I look at it now, I see how much that mentality held me back and all the different decisions that led to in my life in terms of like what my undergrad was, what I pursued as a career, because I sucked at math. And every time I would try to take a math class to try and break through, well, the first couple of days I wouldn't understand what they were talking about. And it was proof you know, that I sucked at math, and so therefore I just didn't. So is it possible that we have a little bit of yes. both?
1: that's a really important point. Uh, first of all, people can have different mindsets in different areas. You can have a growth mindset about your language skills or your literary skills, but a fixed mindset about math or science or vice versa. Um, second... Different situations can bring out different mindsets in you. Sometimes you're in a really non threatening, nurturing situation, and it allows you to enter a growth mindset where you're thinking about learning and not worrying about mistakes. But other situations uh, may be very judgmental. You may feel really under the gun, being evaluated. And that can put you into more of a fixed mindset.
0: Okay, we've got to go to a break. The book is called Mindset, and I'm speaking with the author, Dr. Carol Dweck. When we come back, we'll be talking about what we can do about all of this. You're listening to The Kathleen Show.
1: Kathleen was caught in a tempest, and all of her mainsails were torn. When the
0: this is The Kathleen Show. Like I'm Kathleen Slattery, Moscow, and I'm wrapping up this wonderful conversation with Dr. Carol Dweck, a professor at Stanford University and the author of the book Mindset. So, Dr. Dweck, what can we do to change? What specific things can we do to step away from being in that fixed mindset, that fixed way of thinking, so that we can really unleash
1: everything we've got to give. Uh, yes. First, we've shown that teaching students, adolescents, in our studies, a growth mindset really turned around their motivation and raised their grades. When you so, say teaching, mm-hmm.
0: what, what do you mean by that? What did you guys do?
1: Yes. And, well, and I, I, I want to say we now have an online program That teaches the growth mindset. It teaches, and this is what we did, it teaches about the brain and how kids can use their brains better. It teaches them every time they stretch themselves to learn something new, their brain, the neurons in their brain form new connections, and over time they get smarter.
0: So when kids, and adolescents in particular, have that mentality for whatever reason, whether it was a teacher or they got stuck in the low-end classes or whatever, Mm -mm. that I'm stupid, I'm just, this is the way I am, it's the way it's going to be, this is what I am, by just actually explaining to them how it works. That's right, how the brain works. Can make
1: a difference, it sounds like. Yes, and in fact, the first time we delivered the workshop, one of the... Boys, who was really kind of the bane of our existence, wouldn't sit still to hear our pearls of wisdom. He chased his friends away, sat down. He told us, You mean I don't have to be dumb? Wow. Because, th- and, and this message is especially important for kids who, um, who may feel stigmatized in certain subjects, girls in math, uh, minority groups who may have negative stereotypes in certain areas in school, but it's important for everybody to understand that by applying themselves to hard tasks and learning, they are growing new connections in their brain. So again, we have this program called Brainology and the website is www.brainology.us. Second... It's really important for parents and teachers to know that praising intelligence puts kids into a fixed mindset. Don't do that anymore.
0: <laughs> well, so, for instance, you saying, oh, you're so smart. You're, yes. you're so good at basketball.
1: Wow, aren't you pretty? We showed in our research that that puts kids into a fixed mindset. It makes them think you're judging something inside of them that they just have and it's fixed, and then they stop taking risks because they don't want to jeopardize that label. Instead, we've shown that praising the process they engage in, the effort, the strategies, the persistence, the choices they make as they work on a task, that creates a growth mindset and greater resilience.
0: So I'm proud of you for working so hard, for trying. I know you didn't get that cartwheel down, but my gosh, you went after it for two hours, and that made me smile.
1: Yes, and, and the improvement, and all of this in the framework of learning. Learning is the highest value. Well,
0: what can we do ourselves in, in, as adults? Uh, how can we change our language to maybe open
1: ourselves up more? Yes, you were talking initially about the internal dialogue. So listen to the internal dialogue. When you're confronting a challenge or someone is giving you feedback, what are you thinking? Are you cringing? Are you wanting to go away and shut that off? Um, And if so, tell yourself to take on that challenge, to listen to the feedback. See what you can learn from it. While you're listening, plan how you're going to take advantage of it and go forward in a different way. If you are struggling with something and you're listen to what you're saying, are you saying, I'm no good at this, I'm going to look bad, this is a risk, I want to get out? It's proof that I'm bad. <laughs> yes. Change that dialogue. Um, that internal monologue.
0: I think one of the, and we're out of time, I just want to say one of the biggest takeaways I took from the book was also my expectations to expect that I'm probably going to fall and stumble, that things are probably going to be hard, that I'm probably going to see failure, and that that to know ahead of time that it's part of the process so that I'm not tripped up by it and want to run in the other direction when it happens. So those having that expectation going into things can be so helpful for getting that much further. That's absolutely right. Dr. Dweck, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. Your work is just fascinating.
1: Thank you. It's been a pleasure.
0: That was Dr. Carol Dweck from Stanford University. Her book is called Mindset, and you can check out the website at mindsetonline.com. They actually, even on that website, have some pretty great information there so you can get a better taste for how all of this stuff uh, and and different scenarios in your life that you can apply it to. This interview and more about Dr. Dweck and the book will be available on her guest page at our site, thekathleenshow.com.
1: Midwest, mountain.
0: Hello, this is Kathleen. It's been so much fun to pull some of these beautiful interviews from our archives. In total, we've selected 50 past interviews to re-release, and we will be recording and posting new episodes as well each week. You can help us out a ton by subscribing to the podcast, and if it's on your heart, please also leave a review and share the episodes you love with everyone you know. And finally, if you are interested in the yoga and meditation aspects of my work, those are the aspects that are instrumental to who I am as a person. If you are interested in yoga and meditation, please check out my online video series, Yoga for Beginners, where I teach you the fundamentals of several key poses in yoga. You will learn step-by-step what to do and what not to do in each pose, and you will walk away feeling capable about your ability to do yoga and you are always welcome to come to madison wisconsin and spend some time doing yoga at my studio which is called the studio we offer a full array of daily classes as well as yoga teacher training the studio really is a breathtaking and life-changing sort of place come visit us anytime thanks everyone